Houston, um, and today I'm with Ellen Rumley, um, who I've had the pleasure of being friends with at my time at Willamette. Hello. Ellen is from Alaska. She is a senior at Willamette University. She is a physics major and a chemistry and mathematics minor. During her time at Willamette, she has performed research in biophysics and earned a grant to continue that research. She has helped teach middle school students physics at the University of Anchorage. She was selected as a scholarship recipient to represent distinguished women in STEM and as a part of that program conducted physics experiments with fifth grade students from low income families. In addition to the previous, Ellen has also done aerial dance, played the flute in, the, in a jazz collective, played collegiate tennis, and has honestly kicked my ass a lot in tennis. Um, she loves climbing, cooking, painting, and cat training. Um, and after college, Ellen is attending the University of Colorado Boulder to conduct research on soft robotics as a part of their mechanical engineering PhD program. Just a few things. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about there. Um, but the first thing that I kind of wanted to get into was your experience with aerial dance. For those of you who don't know, aerial dance is kind of what it sounds like. It's like dance, but in the air. So first off, could you explain just like a little bit what is aerial dance? I didn't know um, before I came to Willamette and saw people doing it. Neither did I, to be honest. So the first time I thought about joining aerial was... Um, when I was at a music festival in Alaska a couple summers ago. And there I saw, you know, at night there was this performance after all the bands were over. Um, There's fire dancing and there were different sorts of dancing. And among those dancings were um, aerial, um, where they did things similar to what I've seen on campus. Um, and we have a really unique program at Willamette. It's basically where we have the privilege of having um, some amazing people here who specialize in aerial dancing. They create their own apparatuses, um, they know how to work lighting, and they choreograph um, specifically for aerial dancing. Mm. And so that was my initial attraction towards it, and mm -hmm. I decided that, you know, I want to make full use of my liberal arts edu um, education and and um, do things besides, you know, just the sciences. Um, yeah. Last year I was pretty swamped in physics and chemistry and mathematics, and I want to have, you know, some, some artistic outlet. Mm -hmm. And so... I auditioned, and um, this is actually funny because I, I didn't have any dance exposure before that. Okay. Um, Not even just normal on-the-ground dancing? Uh, you know, I, I could shuffle my feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so, so actually, okay, so I, I lie. So, so I basically <laughs> I, I took a dance course that following fall mm -hmm. um, because I talked to the person in charge of Ariel, and I told him that I want to join. So he told me to take dancing, so... Mm -hmm. I was actually in a performance during that fall where um, they didn't let me dance, but they gave me a role of falling off a ladder about 15 times every show. <laughs> and, um, uh, and that was about a 10-foot ladder, so that was, yeah, and it was a very artistic piece. I, yeah. um, I symbolized monotony in the background of an aerial-themed dance, yeah. where everyone else around me was doing aerial. <laughs> I was doing falling. aerial dancing of a different sort. That's interesting. Um, but in the spring is when they have aerial once a year. It's actually a conditioning class where you work out twice a week, and um, the weekend of finals, once finals is over, you have a performance. Um, and initially, the reason... When I was joining, I was thinking, you know, it's all it's all fun and games. It's just like you know acrobatics, but mm -hmm. it's actually a lot more where we um, develop something about ourselves we want to work on or we want to celebrate about ourselves, and um, and it's really not a performance for the audience. It's more a performance to 
develop ourselves um, as we're choreographing. So they made it look easy when I first saw it, but it's really mm -hmm. pretty hard. It takes yeah. a lot of finger strength and arm strength yeah. just and to hold yourself. a lot of core yourself. strength. Yeah, and core just to hold yourself up um, and make it seem effortless. Um, yeah, I really respect dancers, you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot more than when I first came in. So I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about your research while at Willamette um, with um, biophysics. So you've been studying the motion of myosin proteins, um, and I don't necessarily, like, I'm not really from a science background, and I don't know how much it would be helpful for you to explain all of your research, but just, could you just, like, kind of talk about the process of being in a research position? Okay, well, I, I came in, and it was pretty easy for me because... You know, I came in on my first day of class. Um, I was, you know, I, I've never actually visited Willamette before coming here. Um, I simply came the day before classes and I was getting a tour from someone who happened to be in the same lab. Um, you know, along the tour, I mentioned that I was, you know, I was interested in physics. And so he actually took a detour and took our tour group through his lab just to show me his ex experiments. Um, and he kind of sold it. He, he told me that, you know, if I'm interested in this kind of stuff, I should probably join. And at the time, I was also really interested in biology, so, so I, I just hopped right in, and I started mm -hmm. shadowing him. Um, and he was a great mentor, and he's really enthusiastic, and that really, um, I really fed off of that. And so, you know, like, thanks to him, I, I continued that research. Um, if I hadn't really, if I hadn't had, had him as my um, tour guide, I probably wouldn't have known about the research opportunities that early in my college career. Mm -hmm. um, and so by getting, you know, familiar with research on campus, I was really able to, you know, dig deeper and, and you know, apply for the, for the independent grant my sophomore year and, mm -hmm. um, and culminate into what I have as a thesis now. Yeah. Um, but basically the research I do is on these motor proteins inside the cell. Um, these are proteins that basically just take chemicals um, that we consume, um, so they're, they're basically broken down from sugars, and they can convert it into energy for motion, and they walk around inside our cells on top of these um, cellular roadways that we call actin. Mm -hmm. And we know that this particular protein, um, its mutation is expressed in things such as um, cardiomyopathy, which is a heart disease. Okay. Um, and so there is like some medical applications because we feel like understanding the motion of these proteins, um, which very little is known about as of, um, at the moment, mm -hmm. um, better understanding their movement would help towards understanding what causes their mutation to, um, you know, lead to disease. So, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, how did you decide that that was something you wanted to research? Was it sort of just that's what they were researching already and you just hopped in on it? Or was it something that you sort of sought out on your own? Well, the particular topic that I'm pursuing, which is studying the differences between two configurations of this protein, um, okay. monomers and dimers, <laughs> um, that came from you know talking with my professor during office hours. I really wanted to apply for this independent research grant uh, my sophomore summer, and so during my sophomore year, I kept going back to him, and I was trying to you know talk to him and kind of use him as a soundboard. Um, to find a topic that's that's unique to me, um, because I wanted to you know do some novel research, um, 
there was some past research going on that I wasn't quite as interested in, and I've been shadowing up until then, so I really wanted to um, gain more familiarity in the lab by challenging myself with a new topic that hasn't really been explored before. So I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about your experience as a woman in STEM, um, in science and mathematics. I feel like STEM is a field that is often pretty heavily dominated by men. I feel like that's shifting, obviously. Um, but I was sort of just hoping you could touch on um, what it's been like to, to be in a field that's kind of dominated by men and like sort of how you've navigated um, that sort of reality of like your field. Right. There's definitely still a lot of work to be done, um, although it is shifting. Um, you know, mathematics is doing pretty well in the sense that it's almost 50-50 here, as well as okay. with chemistry. But um, I know that for physics, um, we consider it pretty successful that it's about one in three um, in the senior class who are women, um, which is pretty great. But we, yeah, we do have some more work to try and make it, you know, equilibrate so it's more 50-50. Mm but I think that it's been a really supportive community here. Um, I haven't really, you know, I haven't really experienced um, bias or sexism um, in my department because people have been so supportive of me. Um, and we have excellent professors. So one of the faculty in our physics department is a woman, and she is a machine. She um, <laughs> grades things, you know, and gives it to us the next day. She's able to edit our thesis, um, you know, within one to two days of us submitting it to her. She um, gives us very helpful feedback, is very, just very on top of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and she's definitely an incredible inspiration. Um, but regarding the gender inequality in physics in particular, um, I definitely, I, I found ways to, to try and, and combat that for mm -hmm. um, future generations, such as um, my experience as part of the Weber program here. Mm -hmm. um, so I currently have a scholarship to um, teach fifth graders um, once a week um, various lessons, such as for physics. Um, and there's two scholars from every department, um, from physics, biology, chemistry, and environmental science. Mm -hmm. And we go every week and teach various experiments to um, these fifth graders from um, various incomes, um, or various you know, families that range in income and and um, basically we're just trying to act as women role models that they can look to as scientists. Um, I think that you know, oftentimes when people think of a scientist, they think of you know someone that looks like Albert Einstein, right. um, a white old male. Yeah. Um, because we've seen that you know throughout history, most physicists, for example, have been old white males. Um, yeah because you know women have been suppressed in those fields. Mm -hmm. So really just showing them from a young age that you know women can definitely achieve um, you know scientific excellence or pursue research or conduct experiments, um, that's actually really liberating um, for both girls and for boys because you know for boys it teaches them that that women are you know people to be respected and to be seen as figures. Um, you know, like as role models and scientists. Well, for women, it shows that they're capable of doing that in the future. Um, yeah, exactly. Representation matters, and that's like a super important way to sort of shift the narrative of like what it means to like be a scientist and like who can be a scientist um, and all of those things too, which is super cool. 
Um, so I also wanted to ask you a little bit about, you mentioned that you recently went to a conference in Eugene for women's in physics. I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about what that experience was like to be in this kind of all women um, space within your field. It was definitely really empowering. Um, it was the first time that me and um, my fellow peers have been in a large room full of women like that who all pursue physics. Um, and it was really cool because we, you know, we mingled and we had these activities where we would just talk about how excited we are about these various fields um, and could all associate, which, you know, it was a really unique experience, even for the organizers. Um, I've talked with them and they were, they were also, they felt very empowered. Mm -hmm. The majority of the physicists there were um, researching particle physics because the person organizing it was from, um, was working on Atlas, which is a particle collider. Um, and, you know, one of the girls there, one of the undergraduates, I think she's a junior, um, she actually helped discover the gravitational wave um, that was detected this past year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she that. was actually in a laboratory and she was one of the people who noticed this strange signal um, in her data and she, you know, she um, got some other people and had them, you know, confirm that this was like strange data and it turns out it was a gravitational wave. That's so so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool that she like helped make history. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. really cool. <laughs> so I also wanted to talk about uh, after college, you're going into the PhD program at University of Colorado Boulder um, to focus research on soft robotics. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about what is soft robotics, what kind of research are you going to be doing, how did you decide, that seems like a, a pretty big shift from what you have previously Definitely. been researching. So could you just like walk me through that whole process of deciding to do that and what is soft robotics, all of that. Well, I'm returning back to my high school aspirations, um, okay. and you know, initially my reason for coming to Willamette was so that I could go through a 3-2 engineering program, mm -hmm. um, so that I could eventually do robotics, and and then I, you know, got into biophysics research, but um, which has also been you know incredible and great, and I've enjoyed that, but I'm 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 still interested in robotics, and basically mm -hmm. soft robotics is um, is you know any sort of machine that's soft. <laughs> so like it's pretty self-explanatory in that sense, but, okay. but um, basically, you know, we're trying to change the way we view robotics because, you know, we have like the robot dance for a reason. When you, mm -hmm. when you think of the robot dance, you think of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of making your body really stiff mm -hmm. and kind of rigid. Yeah, you think um, of metal. Yeah, you think of metal and like of rigid frames, um, things that aren't flexible. Mm -hmm. um, and that can really, you know, that can do only so much um, in fields such as what I'm interested in, which is um, disaster relief, mm -hmm. um, search and rescue, um, things like environmental remediation. Um, you know, having robots go into places where there's tight crevices and confined spaces, um, or having them, you know, have to handle material or, or even make contact with people um, without injuring them. Right. Um, and, you know, having some sense of touch, for example, having haptic feedback. Mm -hmm. um, those are things that machines can be capable of if they aren't hard. Right. Um, if they're soft, then they can, you know, they can be delicate when they're handling objects. Mm -hmm. um, for example, even with like agriculture, um, they can pick up oranges or fruits um, without actually bruising them. Right. Um, for my interest in disaster relief, they can actually, you know, possibly go between tight rocks um, if there's an earthquake or if there's rubble. Um, and they can actually move across uneven surfaces a lot better than, you know, bulky, rigid material. Um, so software box is actually really, um, it's new and it's up upcoming research. And, 
And the research that I will be going into is under the Keplinger Research Group at Boulder, and um, they're trying to work on things that really vary from project to project, but um, things such as assistive um, medical devices that people can wear, possibly on their knees. Mm -hmm. um, you know, once your knees go bad, there's you know very little ways to actually replace it. Right. Um, and so having these assistive devices that you can wear on top of your knees, possibly. Um, or another idea I'm thinking about is um, creating a braille interface. So if you have these soft, um, this, like, these micro textures um, where you can inject a fluid that creates pimples on the surface, you can mm -hmm. create you know, a, a surface where um, blind, you know, blind people can actually rub their hands against it and mm -hmm. they can feel the texture as a braille pattern and they can read it. Um, and then you know, once they want to move on to the next message, they can, you know, we can create a new message on mm -hmm. the same interface. Um, and like, you know, there's so many applications to soft robotics, so it's definitely a really exciting field of research right now. Yeah, that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's just, I just threw a lot in there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, to end the podcast, I wanted to just ask you really fast, um, what are some like music, movies, books that you would recommend um, to people listening? Just like, what kind of things have you been liking recently? Um, yeah. yeah. What can you recommend? Okay, well, um, I'm reading a book right now called Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's a great book. It's very funny. It's a fast read. I haven't finished it yet, though, because I just haven't prioritized it. But um, And music-wise, I definitely encourage y'all to listen to some bluegrass, um, particularly the David Grisman Quintet. Um, amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> And also some Celtic music in there because Celtic music is really, you know, it's not appreciated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's just, it's so energetic and lively, and yeah. hearing it live is even better. Playing it is the best, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, For if sure. you can't do the the latter two, yeah, just go listen to some uh, some chieftains. <laughs> So thank you so much to Ellen for coming on the Everyday Shiro's podcast. My pleasure. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. If you're interested in following Everyday Shiro's, you can find us at Everyday Shiro's um, on Facebook. And be sure to tune in for more podcasts. All right. 